I'll rip your arm off. You know what? Get your ass back home, get in the gym, and figure out what the hell you're doing wrong. Might be called the five-point move. I'm frustrated with the way our Greco guys in the United States are treated because they are good athletes, they are good human beings that, that want to win. We've got to help them get that. Hello and welcome to episode 38 of the Five Point Move podcast. I'm Tim Hans, founder and senior editor of FivePointMove.com. And with me is my co-host. He's here, ladies and gentlemen, for E38. That is Dennis Hall. And... Paul, after you and I get done, I'm bringing in Zach Dominguez. Everyone knows who Zach is. MWC, that big, giant, successful club in Nebraska, that's Zach's. He's also a multi-time world team coach, cadet junior, whatever else, senior, a few years ago, 2018. And Zach is also running a senior camp this week, the most major camp we've had in I don't know, four or five months now, so whatever. Okay, we'll get to Zach, but Hall, I don't want to waste any time because there's recency to address. I don't think that you have paid very close attention to what has been going on, probably close enough to where you've heard some stuff and people have said stuff to you, whatever. But over the past couple of weeks, and we haven't even talked about this like just between you and I privately, so... But over the past couple of weeks, particularly on social media and even more particularly on Twitter, is there's been a lot of conversation, I guess you would say, about fair coverage for wrestling. And a lot of this stems from Flo's card coming up on July 25th. That's like all the freestyle guys and everything else and Dake and... I don't know, Taylor and whatever, just a whole ton of guys and no Greco matches on the card, no women's matches on the card. Does it surprise you? I mean, USA Wrestling used to do that in the past when they had USA Wrestling versus the world. When I was competing, USA Wrestling used to do a thing called USA Wrestling versus the world. And all their matches would be freestyle. They they never highlighted Greco in, you know, for as long as I've known. So, I mean, why does it surprise anybody? If Greco isn't big in the United States, you know, overseas, it's huge. But, you know, it, it is what it is here in the United States. All we can do is try and win medals. Okay, well, yeah, of course, try to win medals. But the conversation was more about equal representation. And so what you have are a lot of women's freestyle wrestlers. I mean, they've even, they even have a pretty, uh, substantial hashtag campaign going on where it's, uh, hashtag how she wrestles. And a lot of them have been making videos telling, you know, what it's been like being a woman's wrestler and kind of the adversities and, Struggles they've gone through. Adversity's oh, shit. In- you want to see struggles? Look at Greco-Roman wrestlers in the United States. That, that's been going on forever. I, I don't want to hear about women's wrestling. They get more publicity than Greco. They more do. positive publicity. They do. And, and for the last you know, bunch of years, they've been consistently performing internationally for sure. Yeah, uh, at all levels. Well, I, I don't disagree with that. 
You know, it's the same shit that I talk about all the time. You know what? If you got something that's doing bad in a company, are you just going to shit can it or are you going to invest money into it? You know, the bottom line is if we ain't willing to invest money in the Greco in the United States, how the hell do you think it's going to get better? I mean, people don't want to look. We're, we're living in a feel-good society, and I'm tired of it. You know what? I'm speaking the freaking truth. If, if you want to fix Greco, can get shit done and get people in place that can make a difference. You know, take care of the athletes. Give them opportunities to, to train, to train with the best guys from around the world. You know, you look at a lot of our world medalists in the past, they've all trained with a lot of foreign partners. I mean, so I'm going crazy, but I'm getting pissed. You know, our society doesn't want to hear the truth these days. Well, you know what? I'm done sugarcoating shit for people. No, I mean, well, you're not known for sugarcoating anything. But I think the issue at hand is, and I'm really not too uncomfortable talking about this because I certainly understand the plight of you know the women's freestyle program and girls wrestling in general uh if anything the influx of females into the sport of wrestling over the past bunch of years has been a gigantic benefit in terms of participation numbers and things like that but what i kind of veer in a different direction is a lot of people were coming after are still coming after flow wrestling and it's if anything it's an active well you see i disagree completely all time okay well i disagree all time Mm -mm. no no why 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 wouldn't they why wouldn't they you know what they're they're one of the organizations that put on events right now that's fair but the thing about it is how many greco stories have they done compared to freestyle you know we we got guys that are on on that have won world and olympic titles and they haven't done one freaking uh, life story about our athletes. You know what? Screw them. I don't care. <laughs> I, I mean, come on, man. Ruan Gardner had a story done by the Olympic Channel. Right. You know what? But he's not good enough to have a story about Greco to get young kids inspired to wrestle with. You freaking kidding me? Okay, before this goes completely off track. I'm not taking it off track. You're guiding the whole damn thing. Okay. <laughs> what I'm saying is, is that I agree. I would like to see more Greco coverage in, you know, wrestling's quote unquote mainstream, which we'll say is flow wrestling and track wrestling. I say this first off with the caveat that Five Point Move has had a partnership with Flow stretching over a year and a half. I also say this as someone who does not care at all. And when I say at all, I mean emphatically in italics at all what other platforms do and whatever their content plans are. I'm focused on what five point move does i don't care what flow does i don't care what track does i don't care what intermat does i don't care what the open mat does none of them i really don't care i don't pay much attention to any of them that includes flow whom as i said we work with a little bit when it comes to the events that that include greco 
Yeah, they need your ad- advice and expertise in advance. But here's where, but here's where it is. Okay, so I'm on the I'm on the same side as you. Okay, I would like to see more Greco coverage. I think there should be more Greco matches included in events. This includes anything anybody else does. Flo does. Beat the streets does. Of course, anybody. I don't care who it is in the United States. They need to, you know, step up their coverage and, and promote Greco. I mean, how do you expect a, a sport that is struggling to get better if we don't have opportunities? I agree, but here's the problem. Flow Wrestling is not a nonprofit and endeavor, okay? It is a business, and they have to serve their subscription base. And if the vast, overwhelming majority of people who pay for Flow Wrestling Want to see college and freestyle wrestling. wrestling? So don't tell me. Don't tell me. There's a lot of guys that have Greco backgrounds that pay for flow wrestling. You know what? Throw a bone in, get a match or two, and 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 promote Greco. You want to grow your fan base as full, then freaking provide more opportunity for Greco people that watch it. They have the rights agreement with regard to most USA wrestling events, right? And, okay, well, you see, now USA Wrestling could have had a situation there where they mandated a certain percentage of Greco coverage in their live events. Look look at what we're talking about. We're we're talking about USA Wrestling and them them promoting Greco. You know what? There, There are certain people that don't like Greco in the United States. And you know what? I, I ain't waiting for them to help help mandate something through flow. Ain't, ain't going to happen. Okay, but I mean, do you understand what I'm saying, sense, though? Do you understand that I'm saying sense, it's a no, business? Shut up and listen. Shut up and listen. When I was, <laughs> when I was competing, I heard people tell me that from high up in USA Wrestling that if it was up to them, they'd get rid of the sport of Greco-Roman wrestling. You know what? They can take that and shove it up there. You know what? Because you know what? International Greco is way more popular. I've had certain people tell me the exact same thing. And exactly. I so don't stretch back into the, the 90s. I, I'm not. All I'm saying is that there's a misunderstanding. It's If Flo doesn't have to put on Greco or women's freestyle matches, if they don't want to, if they feel that their business is going to be more successful well, catering to the College of Freestyle crowd. They got their heads out of their asses and, and did their own subscription-based product, and they could make shit ton of money. Brandon Paulson said it really well. Is He said some months back, he said if Flow Wrestling was based in Hungary, it would be all Greco. You know? Exactly. Of if course, it's, it's true. If it's in Armenia, it would be Greco. If it's in Poland, if it's in, you know, Sweden, if it's in Norway, if it's in Denmark. I mean, you can name country after country. I mean, Japan has a fantastic women's freestyle program, if in yeah. fact a dominant one. Oh, for and, sure. And if they had their own wrestling-focused media platform like that, the same kind of vein as flow, yeah. it would still, even Japan would be, let's say, 55, I mean, 60% Greco. If USA Wrestling was, you know, wanted to make money, they could have done something like flow a long time ago. 
You know, I mean, think about how much more money athletes could have been making. Instead, now the money goes to flow and, and, and athletes don't make anything. You know, they, it, it just boggles my mind that they didn't think of this. They own the rights automatically to their events. They could have libraried the footage, put it out themselves, had their own little pay platform. It was cool back in the early they to mid-2000s. They could add all of us because we were under contract with them. The athletes are still under contract. They could have had them doing technique. Well, they had – do you remember in the early to mid-2000s on the mat.com, they had like the – um if you had a USA Wrestling card, you could access like uh, I don't remember what it was called, like the Video Vault. Yeah. It had a bunch of matches, and then there were some technique videos. I guess uh, I'm pretty sure there were technique videos, but I remember the matches. Yeah. It's just yeah, it passed them by in that regard. I think. But I, I mean, if you're expecting somebody to really give a rat's ass about grappling in the United States, you know, you're not going to find that person. You know. So, I mean, it may, maybe it's five-point move starts doing Greco things and tries to do a pay-per-view or a streaming event. I don't know what the answer is. But you know what? Our, our Greco athletes are every bit as much of an athlete as a freestyle athlete. If not better, as we're starting to learn a little bit. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't know, bro. Like, the way that I kind of see it is – and it's true, obviously, you know, Greco, however you look at it, is either the third or fourth style in the United States, okay, depending on how you break that down. The fourth style. Fourth, because you would say... First is folk style, mm-hmm. second is three style, third is women's, and Greco is fourth. There you go. Okay. So, but it's At like... least we're ahead of beach wrestling. <laughs> well... I mean, I Maybe look at not. It, I don't know. Maybe Beach might be in front. <laughs> well, I look at it like this, though. If Greco was such a, an echo chamber and there was just so little interest, then how come Five Point Move has, like, exploded? And, I mean, it doubled in the first three months, two months, and as far as the traffic and viewership. And now, I mean, not that anything is taken for granted or automated or something like that, but, like... I could put out something that is of really niche relevance and it's still going to get like plenty of views. You know, the, the interest is there. I always said that, that the market is there. Like if, if you, if you direct it towards the market, it'll be embraced. It doesn't mean that every single wrestling fan in the United States is going to like it, but there's certainly Uh, more than enough. What they wish they were better at. A lot of them will say they wish they had learned upper body technique. That speaks to the analytics inside of Five Point Move. What is the majority of Five Point Move readers? The majority is not Greco people. The majority is mainstream, regular wrestling people. People who high school, college, whatever. Because if it was just Greco people, okay, there would be two pieces a week, maybe – Maybe, maybe extra stuff when there's a tournament, recaps or whatever. Yeah. But, like, no. The audience is too large for that to be the case. And plus, I see the analytics and I get a sense of what other platforms people are going to and everything else. And, like, it's just that. So, in that, in that way, I'm constantly, you know, re encouraged, I guess. 
but it's like I just we're barking up the wrong tree here, in my opinion. It's we you want a Greco event, okay. You want a Greco event that highlights the Greco guys, and if you want to highlight women's freestyle as well, uh, since they feel ostracized, well, there's a way to do that. You know, do it yourself. Look at what Rumble on the Rooftop did with uh, Rao versus Downey. Like, that got, I think, in the neighborhood of over 5,000 buys, maybe more than that. And that was thrown together very, very quickly with not a lot of lead-up promotion or anything like that. And so clearly this kind of model can be successful. Clearly. Yeah. Who, who's going to mobilize it? Who has the money and resources and sponsorship behind it? I mean, that's up to other people to figure out, I guess, but I don't know. I don't know. Let, yeah. me, ask, let me ask you a question. Yeah. If you could put together a uh, Greco card featuring either, all U.S. or U.S. and foreigners, what would it look like? It's a good question, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, definitely I'd want some foreigners in there, you know, to give our guys a, a good feel and a, and a legitimate test. You know, they're our best guys, you know. And it just want guys that want to wrestle. It doesn't matter, you know, top, top three guys in a lot of weight classes. They it would be good matches. It would be good learning experience for our guys. Do you know that a couple of years ago, Stabler offered to wrestle Kamal in like a beat the streets? Yeah, well. He wanted to come over, wrestle Kamal, and it just, uh, there wasn't, I don't know. I mean, there's a whole lot of con- tell you nonsense what, behind I mean, it. I, there's... Yeah, there's certain reasons, trust me. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I, I ain't getting into them right now. Right. Well, I, I don't, I'd rather not pass, uh, you know, state secrets. But, yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, in the, you have a Greco versus the world kind of event on U.S. soil, and you attract foreigners. I mean, like, geez, there's so many, like, awesome guys who would, like, love to wrestle in the United States in, like, a dual format yep. like that. I mean, even the Serbia one a couple of years ago was awesome. I mean, it was awesome. It, it was, yeah. and I don't know. I, I get pumped up about it, uh, thinking about it, because I think that format works. I think especially it's in the dual nice format. If, if they'd include more athletes, you know, besides just the stars in freestyle. And, you know, I mean, we want to help our country get better in Greco. we got to try to get somebody to listen. It's that simple. Somebody with influence that can make shit happen. You know? You're somebody with influence. I got no influence. I just, I know what it takes to win. You know? I mean, we just, we got to keep trying. I mean, you know, our guys got to, they got to start doing the, the things to win at that level. And maybe eventually they'll get a, spot on one of these shows i don't know well the concept of hybrid matches came to the front. i like it it's talking about hybrid matches i just talked to bunker tonight we were texting back and forth before i got on the call because green called out uh bunker i guess and they're they're looking at possibly doing a hybrid match 
I told Bunker, I told Bunker, go a Greco match and attack him in the first period and say, I'm done. No, it wouldn't work that way. They would even, it, it, it <laughs> work. They, they would make sure they carry it over. But yeah. I know, but I'm just saying, you know. This is how I kind of see it. And I'd like to know how you see it really quick. Rao and Downey were both not in, you know, pristine condition when they wrestled in Chicago a few uh, weeks ago. Of course. They, they can't, they're not on the mat as much as they need to be because of the conditions. That being said, even if they were in, you know, peak shape, whatever that looks like, the result wouldn't have changed. If anything, it would have been more dynamically on Joe Rao's side. We saw just a glimpse of this, but I can't help but feel that other top kind of freestyle wrestlers who have banged around with guys at the OTC, okay, on and off in practices, yeah. and blah, 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 and let's work on this together, and you know, we'll, yeah. then we'll go back to our separate holes. But I happen to think that freestyle guys see this stuff, and they're like, look, like, they don't want none of that parterre. They don't want it. They I don't. agree. They can't defend a gut wrench if their life depended on it without using legs. No, it's horrid. And I think that they see that and they don't want, why do that? How much, I mean, unless the money is there for that kind of thing, I just don't see a lot of people raising their hands for it. I just think they'd be like, no, nah, you know what? Like, why risk it? Why risk looking bad? Why risk this? You know what I mean? I think, I, no, I, I, I don't you. know if I'm being crazy saying that because I know that somebody will listen to this and be like, no. They're all competitors. They all want to win. Blah, 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 blah. And it's like, yeah, okay, maybe. How about getting your ribs broken by a guy that actually knows how to do a gut wrench? Or a lift getting thrown on your head? I mean, Joe. Because you have no timing. Joe improvised. Improvised on a high gut lift. Because Downey cornered out and tried to grab a leg instinctively. And Joe improvised, locked head and arm. And yanked him for four. It was the least. It was it was so impressive because it, there was no real technique involved at all. It was just boom. It's here. I can do this to this guy. That's all it really was. Yeah. That's Joe at like sixty percent. Like I don't know, man. They just can't hang on the mat. They can't. You get them on the feet and in their freestyle period, fine. But like. The looks and feel uh, with Greco on the feet for them, the positions and stuff, they're lost. They're lost. Some of them can hand fight really well, but, I mean, after that, they're just – they can't hang in the Greco positions. They just can't. And, you know, Downey was patting himself on the back because he was like, oh, I didn't give up a takedown. It's like, okay, but you got manhandled. Like, I would almost rather just concede a takedown than just get bullied around the mat for three minutes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and if you ain't trying to score, it's, it, you know, it's hard to get a takedown if, if one guy's just blocking constantly doing nothing. And I'm not saying I didn't see the match, but I, you know, I mean, in Greco, that's why they put guys down in passive. Yeah, well, that's a can of worms, but yeah, absolutely. At the very least, it's it's a head nod to the concept of match stimulation. Now, yeah. of course, it's manipulated and turned against everybody, but that's yeah. you know besides the argument here. Uh, before I get to Zach 
over here, uh, there was one more topic I want to broach with you, certainly publicly, and that is the prospect of a 2020 World Championships in December. Of course, before that, it's supposed to be Junior and U23. Uh, we'll ignore just for a second. I mean, you could bring it up if you want to talk to it. You could, as far as the idea of a senior trials and let's say, I don't know, at the very, very, very earliest, I could see maybe mid-late October, but here nor there for the moment. It's the World Championships itself, and it would be a very, at least comparatively to recent years, it'd be kind of a weird one. In my estimation, it would be a weird one anyway, because the last couple have had the, and I know you don't like the ranking series points, but they had ranking series points attached to them. Plus the last one, the 2019 Worlds, was obviously a huge one because there were qualifying implications involved. Okay. And it's like this one, they're just looking to kind of stick it in, it feels like, just just so they can say they're having a Worlds. That's what it feels like. Especially since we don't even know who's going to show up to the thing yet. I mean, Europe looks looks like it's pretty okay. At least it seems like it looks pretty okay. Uh, You look around the United States and it's just whatever. I don't know. But my question to you, because I'll just skip right to it, is do you think, and I hate to sound like I'm leading you, but do you think that there would be like an asterisk next to a senior worlds this year, if they were to have one in December? I don't think so. I mean, if, if you're a competitor, you're going to bring your A game, you know, and even if there are some countries that hold out, there's still plenty of guys in there that, you know, make you a world champion. So I'm, I, I don't think that's a problem at all. I think, you know what, if it's a world championship, get your asses ready and, and uh, go over there and compete and try becoming a world champ, for example. All right. It's very simple. Let me try to catch you a little bit then. I realize your medals. I realize the fact that you're a world champion. I realize the fact that you were on three Olympic teams. So what in, What if it's a situation to where, and, and you know, you're dealing with these kinds of Weird, unprecedented circumstances due to the virus and your season got shut down, you know, three weeks before the Olympic trials. And then, dude, I never would have taken time off the mat right now. Okay, wait a minute. No, it's not what I'm getting at. It's not what I'm getting at. What I'm getting at is, is that with the Olympic trials coming up within three and a half months of a world championships, Plenty of time to come down and and get back up. All right. All right. You say so. Yeah. I mean, that would be a great test to see where you need to get better, too. Okay. See, that's the problem, though. See, that's what what I'm worried about is because... No, it's not not a problem. It is a problem, optics-wise. Championships, you got something to work on. Okay. Great. I'm not saying it's a test. I'm I'm saying it's... I'm going there to win the son of a bitch if I'm if I'm a guy from the United States. Right. But But if I don't win it then I got work to do. That's simple. What about the idea? This I did bring up to you on the phone one night. And if I remember correctly you bristled at it, but the idea 
that forget the United States for a second, just look at it globally, is that there's going to be, let's say, in a best case scenario, 85% of whomever you deem to be the top guys in the world show up in Serbia. Okay? Yeah. The odds say that either half or two-thirds of them won't have fantastic tournaments. Okay? We agree on that. If there's 20 wrestlers, not all of them are going to, you know, be in medal matches. Okay. Maybe if you're lucky, half of them might be kind of in position, whether they get pulled in or not, however that works. But it's not like 20 of the best wrestlers in the world at a world championships each year manage to place. A lot of them do. We see a lot of consistency, but it's still the odds say that at least some of them. If you're training to win, you're going to be in the best shape possible and you want to become a world champ. Otherwise, why compete? Stay home. Let somebody that wants to win. What happens when one of these top guys loses in the round of 32, round of 16, doesn't get pulled back in, okay? And then they're over in the corner there at the little media pool and somebody shoves some, you know, a phone in their face to get quotes and it's like, hey, you know, like, you no, know, you took silver last year. You won a gold three years ago. And it's, you know, what happened to you out there today? And it's like, well, you know, ultimately, this is just practice for Tokyo. It ain't practice. I'm telling you. It's a competition. I know it's a competition, but you're going to tell me that there's not going to be some guys who are going to look at it as like some kind of pre-Tokyo warm-up tournament, just a big one? I'd be looking at it as a world championship because that's what they're calling it. And I'd be busting my ass to win that world title. Fair enough. I get worried over the potential devaluation, diminishing of a world's. And if the participation level isn't what... You know what? If, once you win a world title or an Olympic title, you're that forever. So why the hell wouldn't guys be busting their ass to be called a world champion for a lifetime? If they ain't, they're stupid. Well, look, I defer to you. If it makes you feel better, it seems like the consensus agrees with you as well. Uh, I don't know. I just... It's just the way I kind of thought of it. Like, ah, I mean, it'd be great. I thought... I thought as soon as lockdown hit, I, I I was of the opinion of, look, UWW is going to have to put on something big at the end of the year. You know, I was thinking yeah. this in March or April, you know, like yeah. I have to do something because you, you can't restart the Olympic year and not have something. OK, like, yeah. whether it be a club's cup or whatever. And yeah. they went full tilt. They were like, no, we're going to we're going to have a world's. We're going to have a world. And I guess we'll see what happens with U23. That's supposed to be in November. And then junior would be a week or so before the senior tournament in the same locations, Serbia, Belgrade. So I don't know. I don't know, man. Just whatever. Normally, I would just be like over the moon pumped up about it. Just I mean, I I think having having the world championships will give guys reason to get back back on the mat i think it's a damn good thing at this time we need stuff stuff like that in the world right now there's so much negative going on right now it's ridiculous so you know what it's a good time to shine we haven't at all contributed to that negativity tonight not at all no i didn't contribute to it i'm going to stay in facts Represent your team or club with top quality singlets, board shorts, and two-piece uniforms from BarbarianApparel.com. 
Get creative with team logos and custom designs that make a statement on and off the mat. Worn by the pros and trusted by national teams all over the world, Barbarian Apparel supplies wrestlers with the look and feel they need to conquer the competition. Team orders and discounts are always available. To learn more, stop by BarbarianApparel.com today and save 10% off using coupon code BA10. Barbarian Apparel, style everyone notices, quality everyone respects. Okay, so I'm here now with Zach Dominguez. Zach has been a pretty big part of my life, I guess you might say, uh, <laughs> for the last few years. <laughs> Uh, he should have been on this program before. Uh, you were supposed to be on actually a couple months ago. Uh, what, what? Wait, what happened that you weren't? What happened? There was a car accident. My, uh, yeah, my brother. Because uh, my real life is in insurance, and so I'm also my brother's insurance agent. He got into his accident, so instead of calling me, or excuse me, calling the police and people that really he should call, he's like Zach. I got into an accident. I'm like, is everybody okay? He's like, I don't know. I'm like, Eli, <laughs> what are you doing? He goes, I need to make sure I'm insured. Eli, and I said, Eli, dude, you know you're insured. Why would you call me? He goes, I don't know. You just know in that moment of time where all of a sudden everything falls apart, you just think to yourself, oh, man, did I pay my bill? Am I okay? Is everything all right? <laughs> in the end, everything was good. Everything was fine. It wasn't his fault. All is good. And um, <laughs> so, so I got the first phone call, not the police or the ambulance or, or, or people that should be notified. I did. <laughs> well, I think that's probably Actually, how it works. <laughs> Yeah, it's a double whammy because I mean, you you could have been you could work in a quarry and not have anything to do with insurance, and you would still been probably the first person he called. Yeah, that was only because he didn't want to call my mom or dad because he probably felt like he was going to be in trouble. He's a grown <laughs> man; he probably thought he was going to be in trouble. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> well, at least he's. Uh, I'm glad he's. Fun. I mean, this was months ago, but I mean, yeah. I'm glad he's good. So, yep. all right, yeah, Paul's uh, good. We had kind of covered this uh, a little bit prior, but I think it's pretty important to talk about now, especially when we look around and things are starting to kind of, at least in certain regions of the country, open up. But your club, MWC, uh, which mm -hmm. contrary to uh, you know misconceived popular knowledge does not stand for the Midwest Wrestling Club, not really. Um, no. <laughs> anyway but mwc is obviously uh it's not just a huge club uh in nebraska it's has certainly far-reaching national implications uh particularly at age group but hey we're we're stretching into senior it looks like a little bit more and more right so um with nebraska nebraska is not uh, COVID hotbed, a virus hotbed, necessarily. At the same time, parents in every region of the United States watch the news and hear the reports and absorb social media, and therefore have you know very legitimate concerns about safety guidelines and everything else, regardless of what phase businesses are in. And I imagine there are certain challenges that are very specific to being a wrestling club owner in this regard. So mm -hmm. what I want to know first, I guess, is when this was starting to materialize, I guess, a month and change ago, 
how did you walk parents through the process as far as what you would be able to do, you know, talking about practicing, talking about, you know, various safety measures, purelling the place, however that works. Just what, what, what were those conversations kind of like? Um, so, um, like we talked before, I had a couple of parents that work really close with the uh, state of Nebraska. They're uh, in the, um, the government, um, if you will. But their their children wrestle and they love the sport of wrestling, so they were very uh, forthcoming of what was coming down the path, what was important, you know, things we have to make sure we do right, you know, small groups, cleanliness, um, not you know, overlapping, right? So there isn't more than the amount in the room at the same time. Um, and then I had a couple other people that reached out to me. One actually who works here in town, he um, he works in a I don't know where he works, but he has he brought me these two bottles with. Uh, bleach in them that were industrial strength bleach. He goes, you put this on anything, you'll kill everything. Got it. I go, will it, I go, will it hurt my mats? He goes, I don't know. That's a good question. So a little trial and error. It worked out really good. Uh, now my wrestling room smells like a swimming pool <clears throat> every day. Um, but, you know, I uh, during prior to reopening, I spent once a week uh, on Facebook Live um, for MWC, and I told the parents what I know. Yeah, I told every week. I told them what I know. I told them what what is coming down the line. What is USA Wrestling saying about this? How are we dealing with this? Um, I just tried to be open and transparent as much as possible. So the, if I knew something, they knew something, and if if they felt like they were on the same page as me, it, it might give a little bit uh, of, of might make them feel better that that they're knowing exactly what's going on. Um, and I spent a lot of time talking about, hey, what are we doing while we're in lieu, right? So I. I went and found a nutritionist. I went and found a sports psychologist. I went and found a, uh, a CrossFit guy. I said, hey, there'll be some workouts. I'll pay you for them so I can get these kids doing some more work just outside of wrestling. So, you know, it, it all comes from rapport, you know, and time in and, and making sure that they know what you know. And I, I feel like we have one of the best clubs when it comes to the parents and, and wrestlers. And we might not have the greatest wrestlers. One, one day we might, but I, I do feel like we have the greatest families. Um, that, that make MWC really good and make it easy for me to coach. Well, but, I mean, um, you're short selling yourself yeah. when you say great. I mean, your your kids are constantly performing at the national level, so you're doing something awfully right in that regard. But I would also have to think, and I'm not trying to look at. I I get it. Like I get mm-hmm. it. I understand that. You know, as coaches as you know club owners whatever you want to call them i understand that it's like okay well when this off first hit it was a scramble it's like okay well i mean we care about look and zach when i say this i don't even mean to be you know um i don't mean to be like purposefully objective and make this about Mm -hmm. first off i mean you're not you're not even run like a typical wrestling club like let's say where it's like uh, some gigantic uh, big business endeavor. It's a huge club with a lot of kids, but you also function with a board and things mm-hmm. like that. So it's not like it's it's a real – MWC is, is known for being a community endeavor, much more so than most mm-hmm. other wrestling clubs. But I saw how a lot of coaches, club coaches and things like that, people like that – come late march and throughout april and everything else and it's like the everybody's trying to like do these workouts via zoom uh, 
And, I mean, Paulson was on that pretty early. And mm-hmm. I, I get it. I get it. And maybe there's a way to do that. I, I wasn't hopping on any of these Zoom calls because I, I couldn't begin to care <laughs> less about it. But, like, I understand. But it must have sucked to have to pivot that way. Like, I know it's about making the most of everything and keeping everybody in the loop and included. But, like, it as a coach in wrestling, like, that had to have been not easy, I imagine. No, it no, it sucked, but I will tell you, um, and I don't know if I had the same uh, mindset as a lot of those coaches. You know, I never thought of doing, I never wanted to do a Zoom um, wrestling workout. That wasn't something I thought, A, I was capable of doing, B, uh, I, I just didn't want to do it because I thought it was kind of, it wasn't my alley, right? It wasn't the way I went. So I spent a lot of time preparing these kids uh, in the beginning, in March, and then April when we had to be off completely. Um, I spent a lot of time telling them, I said, listen, I would tell you guys, you should be eating right. You should be weightlifting. You should be, uh, you know, all the things that we always tell them they should be doing when they're wrestling, right? But they, they don't because it's go to school, get picked up, do your homework, go to practice, go home, go to bed. So there's no way that they're doing all the things I want them to do as a, as a, as a coach. And if I have a high-level athlete, uh, they're, they're not doing it because they're, they're tired, they're beat up, they're sore. And, and I, I, I drove it home that if you don't return back to MWC smarter, faster and and stronger i i have failed you because i gave him all the tools to be stronger to have a better diet to have the sports psychology behind it i I focused on things that didn't matter that did that matter to wrestling that that they could do on their own so i put the onus back on them i said hey i will be here in support but here's what i'm going to do for you and that's and that's essentially the route i went i did not i'll be honest with you until we started doing small group I put out wrestling workouts, but it was on their own. I didn't do Zooms. I didn't do anything like that. Right, I, right. I, I saw you put yeah, stuff you know, out so, on Facebook. That's where I saw it. Yep. Yep. So everything I could to, to make them stronger, faster, and smarter. When I got that athlete back, I go, if you're this way when I see you, I don't want you to be practiced. I want these three things to be better. I want them to catch up to your wrestling. I go, if they do, you are going to be a much better athlete for me to coach. And I think a lot of them understood that and, and, when we got back going, it was really easy to get back in the swing of things. It wasn't hard. They were stronger, maybe not smarter because, you know, we were <laughs> all dumb. <laughs> but they were definitely stronger and they were definitely faster. But, you know, I put out videos for them to watch. I said, hey, watch this match. Write some notes on it. Tell me what you think, right? Um, I would be a sounding board for their 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 thinking, right? Um, but that's, that's the approach I took. Um was it the best idea? Maybe. I don't know. Was it the worst idea? Maybe. I don't know. But what it was, was it was a moment in time to work on all the things I always want kids to work on and go to practice. And now they didn't have to go to practice. So they really had no school excuse because they had no school, right? It was all virtual. They hadn't, they were staying at home. They, they can, that I gave them kitchen work. I said, Hey, I would tell the parents, make your son cook dinner tonight. Make him understand, or daughter, make them understand what, what goes into the meal. Have them understand, oh, man, that's why I can't eat that. That's really bad. So I really feel like I, I, I took the time to grow the individual because uh, growing the wrestling is easy, right? You can do that. You put a bunch of guys in the room. They're going to beat each other up. You're going to have a wrestler. But to have them do the stuff on their own outside of the room is what's really hard to do these days, in my opinion. Um, and that's, that's what, I, cho- that's what I, cho- I chose to chase down was making them more responsible in this time. Yeah, you know what? It's 
I theorize that, okay, yes, it sucked that everything got canceled. Uh, you know, the age group trials, the duels, Fargo, everything just washed away in a near instant practically. And I imagine for, you know, the, especially the young wrestlers, it's that kind of stuff is devastating because a lot of them, you know, set their clocks by that kind of thing. But mm-hmm. for these wrestlers, for these, you know, whatever we want to say from whatever age group, I, 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 what's the what's the in scholastic style? What is is it? The oldest age group is still intermediate. Yeah. Um, For like, well, just junior high, you mean that yeah. age group, like 14 and under? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's say for the kids who are between the ages of, let's say, 11 and 14, who are already just basically full-time wrestlers, If I mean, at least close mm-hmm. to it. And then as you start to creep older, they are practically, you know, a large majority mm-hmm. of them, if anything, are full-time wrestlers. I imagine that there were, there was a pretty big upside developmentally in a way for having this break that wouldn't have come otherwise mm-hmm. because it's, I just happen to believe that it's just, it's asking a lot sometimes of kids to get done with their scholastic seasons in March. And then it's like, okay, you get a little bit of a breather and then here we're going to turn around. Now we're going to start prepping for, you know, Greco freestyle season and everything else. And then that takes them through the next four months or so. And then they get they kind of get a little bit of a breather after that, maybe an interim. Maybe they get a little vacation with their families. They go back to school at end of August in a lot of states. In New Jersey, it's September after Labor Day. Point is, is that our age group wrestlers in the United States get an awful lot of mat time, more so than at any other time in history, in any other era, by a wide, wide, huge orders of magnitude margin. And... I don't know. I haven't talked to Clayton about this, but I would have to think that like, hey, you know what? Having a couple of months, a few months off where like you're not able to do what you were normally doing and not able to like grind yourself to a nub, like you say the word individual. That's what Linlin says a lot, uh, you know, kind of developing the individual. And this seems at the very least, bright side speaking, like it was a really good opportunity to do that. Agreed. And but now let's discuss what was it like for the senior level guys. I tell you what, I can't imagine knowing if I'm at the tail end of my career that maybe we'll wrestle again, maybe we won't, or I'm new and just getting started, and now I don't, I can't earn my keep. Oh well, yeah. Zach, I can tell you right now that, that there's already a couple of pretty notable guys who are going to walk mm-hmm. away. I mean, yeah, that's going to happen. Scary. Yeah, it's, it's, yep, it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I hate to use the word yep. tragic in the midst of a pandemic, but like, I mean, relatively speaking, it, it doesn't get much worse than that for an athlete in our sport at the senior level. I mean, agreed. Goodness gracious, yep. there was one guy. There was one guy. I'm obviously not going to mention a name, but there was one guy mm-hmm. who has dealt with a litany of injuries in recent years. Who in March was really super-duper looking forward to the trials. Because in his mind, he didn't think he was going to, you know, advance or win the trials. And to him, it was like, I, you know, I, I, I'm, I got one more tournament. I got one more tournament to go out. And, 
you know, that trial's obviously pushed back a year. And in a way, that it's almost like it being pushed back a year wasn't even the best news he could hear. Like, it wasn't like, okay, well, now I have time to heal up feel better and then like attack it next year with a you know a fresh slate fresh attitude fresh mindset instead it was like like i'm gonna have to do this again you know and yep. mm-hmm. there's that side to it also and i don't know man i this is something that i don't think any of us have ever even dreamed of having to deal with but no well the i i, I yeah yep i agree no, i i I, I I don't know, Zach. Like it, it's bothersome. You know, I said this to Linland. I opened up the Linland report with this exact kind of question, which was, you know, after Ottawa, the seniors go. They had qualified four out of six in Greco. Women's mm-hmm. freestyle and men's freestyle did not have to qualify that number of weight classes. They had to qualify, well, I think, one or two. And, and Correct. You know, okay. And it's like, okay, well, we, we know going into the Olympic trials, forget last chance for just a second, because I and last chance qualifier is going to be unbelievable. Like, it is going to be, mm-hmm. uh, I can't, I have, nobody has ever looked forward to a last chance this much ever. Like, it is the most incredible last chance we've ever had. But, yep. Going into the trials, it's like, okay, well, yeah, uh, uh, sure. You know, freestyle is still going to dominate in terms of overall coverage and buzz, you know, especially at 74 kilograms and then whatever was going to happen with the upper weights and blah, 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 blah. But the other two styles or, you know, other two, you know, how do, I don't know, freestyle, one style, two genders. Mm-hmm. But the other two, they weren't coming in with the same kind of momentum that the Greco program was. They just weren't. I mean, the nope. Greco program for the first time since I can't even know. I, I, I mean, it would sound dramatic to say 2007, but I mean, I don't know when the last time we were walking into something where it was like, you know what? For once, like the Greco guys are kind of the story. I mean, you had all you had just these incredible performances in Ottawa. I mean, Ildar's match versus Montano is something I'm going to remember for the rest of my life in the first round. I mean, it was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And, like, you just had all this stuff. And for me, not to make this about me, but it was like, oh, gosh, like, I mean, what a field day this is going to be leading up to the trials. Like, just being able to, like, you know, kind of dig into this and be able to elevate this and create this kind of, like, mad exposure. And it was just such a good vibe. Like, it was such a good vibe. And it's so weird how within a weekend, not even, like, you figure, dude, the Pan Am qualifier was... 12 hours. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) It was March 13. And Mm -hmm. I'm I'm in New Jersey, so on March 14, we had already learned that our kids were going to be off from school for quite a while. Like, I mean, we... Right away on Saturday. Okay, so when I heard that, the first conversation I had with my wife was like, okay, well, you know, I don't know what this is going to mean. I, I, you know, uh, last chance, I don't know if I'm going to go because last chance was going to be at Regner's. And uh, Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, well, last chance, 
maybe I skip that and just see what life looks like uh, a week later in in Penn State. And then the next day, yeah. it was like, dude, there's no way there's going to be a trials this year. There's just no way. And we all knew it by that Sunday. We all knew it. Yep. And it's just, yep. gosh, how things changed so fast. It was just, it went from being this, like, on Friday, I had went from being like, okay, well, I, the content plan, like, we know how this is going to work. I mean, we're going to double up on the guys who qualified, and then it's going to be, okay, now we have to start upselling um, last chance, and then that last push to the Olympic trials the next week. And then after Olympic trials, you figure you're going to have all this follow-up coverage with who, who whomever w- would win the Olympic trials. And then after that, it's the age group trials that, you know, four of them or whatever it was. And, like, it's just like the vibe went from this is going to be the most exciting month and a half that we've had in a long-ass time to now there's nothing. <laughs> now there's nothing. It just – you can't – like, you could – like you couldn't even for the sake of wrestling purposes, Greco purposes, like I'm not going to call it a nightmare, but if somebody presented you with that worst case scenario, when we all started to even learn about the virus, like you would not have believed it. And it all came true fast, right. just real fast. It just, it, it was like a wildfire. It just all of a sudden there it was, or some sort of storm that you couldn't like, well, there's it's the the indications are good for a tornado. You guys don't have well, you do have tornadoes out there, but this is how it happens all the time when the tornado shows up. They'll tell us the weather is set up really good for a tornado, but they don't know when, where, or how it's going to happen. They're just saying that all the predictors are saying tornado's coming, and then all of a sudden it either does or doesn't show up, and it's it's a monster. It just shows up and just devastates everything, and and then they're like, yeah, we still don't know how to track them or or tell you how they come and go. But we do know that if this, this, and this are in place, it's going to be a tornado. <laughs> that's and that's what that's the way I felt about uh, COVID. It just literally they're like, well, you know, it's over here a little bit, it's over there a little bit, but we just have to be careful. Whack! <laughs> just, there it goes. Yeah, yeah. Up and running. Well, yeah. You, mm-hmm. Do you know Eric Lonowski from UWW? Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Eric went to the trip to Rome in January. And mm-hmm. he said that when he landed back in the States, like, um, there was a, like, a, I don't know, like a flight in the next gate that was getting off from China. And mm-hmm. he said that everybody who got off that plane was wearing a mask. And he says, I'm telling you, I knew right then and there that, like, this was going to mean something bad. And that was January. Yep. And, like, I don't know. Even with that, it, let's say he saw that coming. Really, no, I mean, I don't. I was paying attention to it a little bit in the winter, but I didn't imagine it right. was going to turn into what it did. And like, agreed. Take, take wrestling down with it. <laughs> no, no, for sure. For I totally agree. Right? You're like, ah, oh, it'll be sick. They'll be okay. It's just a flu. Just a flu. Oh, right. I, I kind of grew tired smack. of that pretty quick. Yeah, like I kind of grew yeah. tired of that yep. pretty quick. Like yeah, it's Absolutely. just a flu. Until you get it, like it's just a flu. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, get a cup of soup, you'll be all right. <laughs> right, 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 right. Oh my gosh, did you uh, like on a scale from let's say one to ten, as far as like your own personal nervousness, like how nervous did you get? Have you gotten about the virus? If you don't mind me asking. Uh, you know. 
So I think it has to do with where I live. So I don't want to sound really rude or mean. If I'd have been in New Jersey, I think it would have definitely been higher. But I maxed out at probably a four, like max. We never shut. We never got shut down. Tim. They never shut us down. They closed down bars and stuff, but everybody was still shopping. We would go to Home Depot, and everybody would be there. No mask, gardening, and being outside. I mean, it was just real. And I got to the point where I'm like, you know what? We probably should be a little bit more helpful. And that's when I got a little bit higher in the into the four range. But then by the time I was at four, it was already late May, early July, and I thought, oh, well, we're opening back up. Okay. But if I'd have been in New Jersey, New York, or, or California, somewhere where it was really hit hard, I, I could see myself at an eight, right? Eight and a half, nine. It was, it was, I can imagine, right? But then I got to a point, though, at the very beginning, I was the Rocky Four, you know, the, the boxer from Russia. <laughs> if, they, if, if they die, they die, right? I was just like, why is this my problem? And I, it is my problem, right? It's everybody's problem. You don't want anything bad to happen to anybody. So, but it was the whole deal. Like, I mean, I, we never shut down completely. We were never told to stay indoors. We were never told to wear masks. We were never told that we couldn't be in groups. We were told we could stay in groups of 10 or less. That was the smallest we got. And, and it just, it just was, that was the most scary it got. And then to be honest with you, what happened was the small businesses really started getting hurt. So those, the, the governor kind of gave on restrictions a little bit, opened up small businesses. I remember Cinco de Mile, I was in a line for three and a half hours to get you know, margaritas and tacos. And I saw that. I saw outside. that on your Facebook. <laughs> yeah. Everybody was outside because we couldn't go inside, but all the businesses could be open. So everybody just went. <laughs> so, I mean, that's how, that's how good or bad it was in Nebraska, but that's what we did. Right. That's, that's where we were at. Yeah, I think, well, I see the bit, right, and that makes sense, because look at South Dakota was very similar, right? I mean, South Dakota didn't mm-hmm. lock themselves down quite the same, and, you know, Legends of Gold right. was able to kind of persevere through that. It just, I don't know, some of some of the, some of the, uh, I don't know what you call them, I don't know if you call them restrictions, I don't know how you say it, but like these capacity things, it's like like Costco in our town. It's like, okay, well, it was like, oh, you know, half capacity. So what did that lead to? It led to the lines outside being ridiculously long and people, like, basically mm-hmm. climbing all over each other. So it's like, okay, well, we're yep. supposed to have distancing, and you're trying to cap capacity, but yet outside, people are squished together like they're at a Metallica concert. You know what I mean? Like, it, it doesn't mm-hmm. – it just never made sense to me in that way. Um and you know what? In New Jersey, it's still where, I mean, it, I don't know what has changed. I mean, yeah, you can go outside a little bit more. Uh, they've put capacity at uh, a little bit at some of these beaches uh, in the town next door, uh, Point Pleasant. And there's uh, you can dine outside, I think, at certain places and whatever. But ultimately, if you go to a store, you have to wear a mask. Uh, you're not allowed to be in big groups. You're not allowed. I mean, there's. It's not so so much different. I think that the optic is different in a way, if only because I I just think we're especially in New Jersey. Um, I just think the feeling is we're starting to kind of turn a corner on this. So I think your people are seeing it a little bit different. But I mean, I have friends who have businesses. I have friends uh, who have brick and mortar places. And uh, 
they've become they've become decimated uh, by this in totality. Uh, whether whatever their business is, whether it's a store, uh, one of my friends uh, owns a you know a wrestling club. Uh, I mean, it's just it's crippled. I mean, just absolutely crippled. Uh, not only yeah. the sporting aspect of it, but obviously the economy as well. Uh, and I don't, I, I don't know. I, it's just been awful, just completely awful. But we, on that note, why don't we shift to something, <laughs> something better? <laughs> which is, I guess, I guess, Zach, that part of the fact, part of the, part of the reason that you've been. Able to this week bring in seniors is due to the fact. Okay, now we're speaking English again. Is uh, due to the fact that you were able to kind of reopen and get things moving again. And I guess the first question I have is, you know, we saw it with Oklahoma, and then I imagine conversations were either blossoming right before or right after Oklahoma, and it was like, okay, seniors are going to go to Sioux Place. There was a chance people were going to go to Utah Valley right on the heels of that. Uh, that just never really kind of materialized. There just wasn't enough interest. But then there was uh, MWC right after Utah Valley. So here we are. We are in camp week, essentially, uh, MWC. And we have I just, I mean, a who's who of top seniors coming. I mean – Kamal, Tracy, Provisor, Rao, Pat Martinez, Alan Vera, Rayvon, Kendrick Sanders. Uh, just uh, you even have Hunter Lewis is coming, Austin Morrow's coming, mm-hmm. uh, just a whole bunch of guys coming. So, first question, like I was trying to get that first question out. I am, you know what? Without Hall, I can say more. So, like, I don't clip my string. I'm not used to having to clip my own string, I guess. Um, but uh, first question is, when did you offer up MWC? Um, I think it was you that made me offer it up when we were on that phone call. You're like, Zach, you should do a KF. I'm not saying you didn't do that. But, you know, we've been <laughs> doing those senior Greco club those senior Greco club calls. Um, not that I run a senior club, but I've coached at that level. So we all have been working very hard to get um, a similar train of thought, try to get – as many coaches in front of these guys, and, you know, I knew in, because of the people I worked with uh, within my club, those moms that are and dads that are with the government, that I knew in July we would be mostly open, which we are. I said, hey, if you guys are want to come in July, I'll, I'll put some, some time and we'll, we'll do it in July. And I think that was in late May, the last time we had to honestly remember late May, but then in June um, I saw camp starting to go off, which I was super excited about because I just want everybody to wrestle. Um, and then Herb uh, called me in like late June. He goes, Hey, we got you on the list. You ready to go? <laughs> I was like, you're for real. You want me to run one? I'm like, I am so excited. <laughs> so this is, uh, this was really fun for me to be able to do that. Or it is fun for me to do it. Not really fun because we haven't done it yet, but, uh, they arrived tomorrow. Um, I've been getting things set up. Uh, I was actually at my wrestling room today for like five, four hours prior to this phone call, uh, cleaning and scrubbing and making sure everything was ready to go and everything set and, uh, was, I wrote practice plans and sent them over to Matt and Herb and Coach Mab, and uh, they approved. And now I'm going to put them on electronically so the guys can see everything that we're doing and that they have everything. So I'm just really excited that, A, I get to coach, and, uh, B, uh, I get to do it with these guys. 
because um, I know most of them, and I've been around most of them for a while now since 2017. Some of them as juniors in 2015, like Tracy and uh, and Lamont and all those guys that I got my first run with way back in Brazil with those guys. So I'm really, really excited. I know that Herb is coming. Herb House is coming. Do mm-hmm. you and Herb, and I guess Gary and Linlin, do you, Herb, Linlin, Gary, do this conglomerate of Greco Minds, do you come up with a curriculum or do you get to like freestyle it yourself? No pun intended. Um, I get to, uh, so Matt sent over uh, what he would like to see happen. I put my twist on it, um, which essentially is, you know, Matt's thoughts with, with Zach and me kiss is um, training scenarios, right? I like, I really pride myself on executing a good practice. I really like precision and get a guy in, let him know exactly what we're doing, execute it well, and get the most out of the kid or the, the senior level guy. They're not, kids. I always think that, but they're not kids. Um, and get them to maximize every time they're in there, right? So if I say, hey, practice, I'll, it'll be on the board that I run. Practice will say one hour, you know, 23 minutes and 27 seconds to the T. I go, that's the longest the practice is. So if you know that, you know what I want. And we go in, we execute, we get a good practice, and and everybody's happy. I didn't, you know, I, I, I do pride myself on running a good practice, a good room. Um, and with Matt sending over his ideas, I put together a couple plans. Um, two practices Thursday, Friday, Saturday, one on Sunday, or off on Sunday, and back on, on Monday. So we'll get four solid days with one down day. Um, of good wrestling. Uh, my 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 thought was we need we need a lot of work in not a lot of work but a lot of we have a lot of time to gather uh, good parterre habits right now and I think that's what we should be hammering home because usually parterre is where guys get hurt you know squeezing grinding on those ribs and and you know with Greco the way it is it's just you know it's tough tough in parterre and I'm gonna that's what I'm gonna spend my time in uh, at camp here a lot of it will be in parterre. We saw this, <clears throat> excuse me, we saw this at Sue Place where Yvonne had involved, uh, you know, a fairly significant number of his age groupers in some of these mm-hmm. practices, if not all of them. Are you going to be doing the same thing? Are you bringing in any of your your kids? Uh, yep, yeah, I'm only going to bring in cadets and above, though. I have Connor Canopic, Camden Russell, Jack Huffman, Joey Harrison, and Cor- well, Corbin Nurshall will be with Camp 2 now. Um, the one that you introduced, or we introduced ourselves together into him. And uh, I'll have a couple of kids that are going to be trying to get off work, but I'm trying to keep it to Fargo finalists or UWW finalists. Um, so there the are qualifying factors to be with the seniors, is what mm-hmm. you're telling me. Yep. Yep. Uh, that's how I, that's what I wanted, right? So because I want to run a really good camp for these senior guys and I want to give them good partners and I want them to be able to be happy or I get the most out of it, right? It's only four days, five days, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, and if they're going to be, if I'm going to throw something at them, I want, I want it to be good, right? I want, I want my best guys in there, uh, doing, doing work with them. So that's, I'm not going to bring, not that I don't want to, I would love to at one point bring in the little ones. And when I say little ones, I mean, you're, you're you know, you're, you're good high school wrestler or you're good freestyle Greco guy. Uh, but, I have enough where I can bring in my best Greco guys and, and stick them in the room and, and believe that 
they'll learn something and they'll get something as much as they'll give something to the room. Let me ask you this is we are tip end of July at, at kind of tip end of July, close to it anyway. Mm-hmm. We really kind of don't have any idea of what is going to happen coming up. We have an idea of what we want to happen and what we hope kind of happens. But with the OTC uh, still closed and looks like it's going to be closed for the foreseeable future, there are other RTC-type places in various parts of the country that are not going to be open for a while themselves, it looks like. Do you think that there's a chance there'll be another senior MWC uh, camp coming up? Like, let's say, I don't know, in the next <clears throat> couple months, is there a chance for that? I would, I would really like for that to happen. So tomorrow is like a, uh, a job interview, I suppose, the way I look at it. I want to do it right because I want it back. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm selfish in that way. I love coaching, so I want to, I want to make sure that I can do it again. And if I don't put my best foot forward, why even do it at all? Yeah, but you know what, Zach? It's like, I mean, especially, yeah, right. I mean, you had you had a couple of years ago, uh, it was uh, 18, right, with the seniors. and Yep. And it's like I, then last year, last season, you started coaching senior for NYAC, yes? So, like, I mean, and it's funny because, I mean, I, obviously I know you really, really well. And everybody knows like how big MWC is and all that. And not that I'm asking you in any way, shape or form, like you should consider, (laughs) like you should consider abandoning it or something like that. But it seems like you being a senior coach is like a really kind of a big benefit because a lot of the seniors who have gotten to know you at least, you know, really, really like you. You were a senior competitor, Zach, okay? I mean, mm-hmm. like, you were one. Uh, OG NMU, for crying out loud. And, like, yep. it just, it seems like this time, if you don't mind me saying, it seems like this time in your coaching career, this time in your life, like, yes, you you're, you certainly can manage being uh, an awesome age group coach, but at the same time, like, are you looking to, like, further and further and further move towards seniors? Yeah. Yeah. So I would love um, for that to be a, a permanent deal. Um, but at the same time, I would love to be able to raise my own senior level wrestler as well. So uh, if it uh, starts with a Connor Canopic or all the way down to a, uh, my nephew, Cruiser Dominguez, uh, who's a sixth grader that I've been, I've been honing them since well, one was born into what, the club. What is the other his one first came, name? And, well, so don't, this is funny. Um, my brother, Eli, uh, God love him. He, um, he named his son Caden Dominguez and there's like a thousand Cadens in the year he was born. Like it's just a silly <laughs> amount of that yeah, name. It's a big name. Yeah, I'm like, sure. I'm like, I'm like, you know, I told my brother, I go, Eli, you know, your wife's hundred percent Mexican. You're 50% Mexican. Your kids are more Mexican than you. You couldn't give them a little, a better, a better handle than that. Right. He's like, what are you talking about? So my dad, my dad loves to uh, give nicknames. That's his favorite thing in the world to do. And um, and my daughters have are affectionately known several different ways to their not even their real name. My my father doesn't even call them their real name. So my brother or my, my dad started calling Caden Cruiser, and that was it. 
That was all he was. That he is an awesome name. Like that is a really, <laughs> right? he, <laughs> really awesome. Yeah, he name. did a good job. Yeah, so he goes into tournaments. His actual USA card might take Cruiser Dominguez. I mean that, and it's not even his real name because this is how my dad works. And then uh, if you ask my nephew, you know what's his name? He's like, well, my name's Cruiser. And I go, well, really, what's your name? And he goes, well, my slave name is Caden. Oh, <laughs> like, Cruiser, you can't yes. say that. I go, Cruiser, you can't say that, right? He's like, I know, but I really like Cruiser. So I, it wouldn't. I, I have never known my nephew other than Caden for the first year of his life, and now he's Cruiser. So. Uh, he was born in 2008, uh, the same year. My my oldest daughter and him are the same age. Um, and uh, in 2011, I started clubs. So when he started wrestling, is when was when uh, like he was already he was just born into the club. Um, and I have several wrestlers that have started started me with when they were five years old. Uh, and as far back as Connor Kanopic, he was a second grader when he came to me. So um, to me, being able to see a European system, you take a a coach that, that took a kid when he was five years old and now he gets to coach him at the Olympics. To me, that's the coolest thing in the whole wide world. Like that is like amazing. So that's why I'll never, ever not give up on it because I really want to be able to, to do that. Like I have, I feel like I have 10 wrestlers that given the opportunity, maybe I can make that run with them. Right. I, I want that, that to happen. I know that's a big dream and a big fetch, but if I practice myself, I always tell the boys, I'm going to learn how to be a better coach every day so that you can be a better wrestler. So if you're going to hold me to the fire, I'm going to hold you to the fire. And that's, and that's essentially how we, we work with each other quite a bit. Um, it's, you know, I got seventh and eighth graders. I can't wait to start letting go uh, in the cadet world. Uh, Hudson Moses, Miles um, Anderson, they're, they're all ready to go. Right? I'm just excited to have them because I've had them since they were so little. And it's their turn now. And I'm like, okay. Let's be, to me, it's it's just more or less like a, I don't want to say trial and error, but I've had a really good string of coaches when I was little, so I'd like to, I'd like to make sure that I'm doing it right by them, and they start doing well. It makes me feel better, like, you know, just to feel good about what you're doing, and, and I think that's what a lot of coaches, they just want to know that you're going to get, A, a good wrestler, but B, more a better kid that one day might come back and help run a club with you or, or do something of that nature. That's, might might be Joey Harrison for me. He's actually been back in the room quite a bit. He hasn't quite given up on the wrestling, but he does like coaching quite a bit. And um, so he's playing that halfway game with me, but I, uh, I'm going to stick him in camp this week, see what it's like for him, see if he wants to continue down that path for a little bit. But, I, I yes, but in, in your and to answer your question, yes, I would love to be permanently a senior-level coach, but somewhere deep inside of me, I, I, I just can't, I can't leave what I've built in a good way uh, unless I can bring them with me. <laughs> right. I mean, I'm sure it's possible to still have your hand in development mm-hmm. and all that. I mean, I would have, there's others who've done it, do it, you know, but it's, it's funny. It's funny to hear you say, and oh, I got to be careful how I even broach this. Um, you know, Zach, I, I, not enough coaches say that. Okay. Not enough coaches. And I'm not, I don't mean, you know, trying to, you know, use your, you know, your feeder system, lack of a better term, to turn out seniors. But, uh, no, what, what, what it is that not enough coaches say, and to be honest with you, not nearly enough coaches do. And there's a long list of them, unfortunately, is they don't try to improve as coaches. They do not. 
Like they don't. They f- figure that their prior experience as a competitor and the fact that they've spent like, you know, the majority of their lives in wrestling, that's enough. Like, I know this sport. I've been wrestling since I was ten. I wrestled in this, I placed in the nationals, I did this, whatever they whatever it is. And it's like mm-hmm. I'm not trying to I hate to even sound judgmental about it, but it is something that really kind of irks me privately is because it's like in every other walk of life, you pretty much, whatever your occupation is, sure, maybe there's some jobs out there, some career paths that are set it and forget it. But in a lot of our, in a lot of our lives, a lot of our careers, we're trying to improve. We're trying to improve at what we do. We are trying to improve uh, maybe it's status, maybe it's promotion, maybe it's because, you know, you do better, you get paid more, whatever the case may be. But there's always a motivating factor. And it just seems like, you know, not to be funny about it and use the word epidemic, but it seems like there's an epidemic of coaches in wrestling. And I mean, I could certainly say, like, in certain parts, uh, Greco, at least developmentally, especially, but like, it's like, we're, these coaches aren't doing anything. Like, on the side, on their own time, they're not – forget going to clinics or something like that. I mean, are, are they reading books about coaching? Are they going to seminars about leadership? Are they – you know what I mean? Like, it really kind mm-hmm. of irks me because, like, I, I I dig into this, obviously. And, you know, like, that's one thing. Linland is, like, almost – I mean, I don't want to use the word obsessed. But, like, dude, Linland's reading a book, like, every week – Every year, all the time, about different coaches, different strategies, different leadership things, and all this other stuff. Like he's constantly trying to better himself, like all the time as a coach. Okay, and that's that's mm-hmm. his method of doing that. We'll ignore the various seminars and stuff that he's, you know, he has to attend, whether it's through the USOC, or right? Whatever. But like, and it's like okay. Well, then I look at some other coaches. It's like yeah, are they fine men? Yes. Are they good coaches? Okay, sure. But, like, they're not doing extra leg work. You know, they're not putting it, like, as 40-something-year-olds, 50-something-year-olds, they're not doing extra work to be better coaches, yet they're demanding their athletes put in extra work all the time. It's like, what What are you doing? Okay, yeah, you're showing up at practice and running them through drills. Congratulations. And then right. we're all going to complain why the results aren't there. Like, I mean, I don't mean to sound so harsh about it, but, like, these are this is these are the kinds of thought streams that I contend with because it's like, wh- wh- what are we doing here? Like, uh, you know what I mean? Like that, no, no, there, I know what you mean. there has to be like in our biosphere of wrestling in general. And I don't even mean Greco. It's like, so one thing about wrestling that's really kind of strange is that so long as you're credentialed pretty much in some way, shape or form, you, you know, chances are you're going to, coach at least at some point maybe you might not be a full-time coach Mm -hmm. maybe you might not own a club but you're going to coach a little bit i mean that's how we give back in the sport pretty much it seems like right but at the same time like they're not doing anything really no i no you're right i i mean i have that that's a daily conversation that i have uh just in general about you know hey i get a phone call hey i really want to be on the coach's staff okay uh, what, what, uh, not with MWC, but at senior level. And it's on a daily call, but it is something that happens a lot. And I'm like, all right, well, what'd you do this year? Like, why, why would I recommend, why would I want to put you out there? Right. And I'm not saying that I'm the end all. I'm like, hey, 
I'll move your name along, but they're going to want to know why. Why do you want to be, you know, why are you a Cadet World Team coach or why are you this World coach or, or Pan Am coach or whatever it may be? And, you know, they're like, well, it's because it's my turn, right? That's a lot of, I hear a lot of that. And I'm like, no, it's never your turn, right? You have to do the work and then you have to be picked. It's not the way around. It's my turn and then I, and then I get to pick somebody. That's not how it works. And I think a lot of times people think that. Um, and I'm very content doing the work and, and enjoying the sport of wrestling because I've been in it for 37 years and I'm a weirdo. Like I have people tell me all the time, you know, they say, you know, Zach, you're not, you're not weird because you're not a, uh, a fanatic. You're, you're just, you love the sport so damn much. You'll spend, you know, two hours in the wrestling room by yourself watching videos or your girls are at practice for gymnastics and because our, our clubs are right across the street from each other. And then you go watch video by yourself, and then and then you go back. My treasurer and my for, and my uh, vice president will turn the cameras on and go, "What are you doing in the room? Sitting in the middle of the wrestling room? <laughs> I'm watching video or um, you know, stuff." <laughs> They're like, "You're weird," but but I'm not. You know, I'm not out there chasing it down and telling people why wrestling. I mean, I do tell people why wrestling is amazing, but I'm not. You know, selling the the Kool Aid, right? I'm I'm just consistently. You know, somebody would be like, oh, my son just did this in wrestling or did this in baseball or football. I go, yeah, because he's a great wrestler, and that's what great wrestlers do. I never tell anybody that they're a better better athlete in their sport. I just tell them it's because of wrestling. That's why they're great. And I've, I've actually caught a lot of fish with that that line. <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah, it's a good one. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I just – it, it's it, important, it, though, no? Yeah. Like, it is important. Mm-hmm. Like – Yeah. You just – you can't ask for – I mean, forget 15-year-olds. I just don't see how you ask a 27 year old. Yeah. Like, you know, we're going to, we want this to be your training plan. We want you to do this. We want you to do that. And then it's like, Mm -hmm. well, okay, I'm going to do all this, but like, you know, what is it that you're doing? Like, what are you picking up? Right. Right. Agreed. I I totally agree. I I don't, I don't think that's a problem at all. I think that if they're going to hold my feet to the fire, I better be able to say, Hey, well, this is what I'm doing to make sure that all this is in place for you. Oh, okay. That's fair. All right. Let's go to work. Right. I mean, it's I'm, my dad's always been a car salesman. He's in the world of insurance, but he's like, you know what a good deal is? And he goes, I go, I don't know. He goes, everybody feels good when they walk away. I go, but what if, but what if it's not a good deal? He goes, well, what do you mean? Well, what if you tricked me? He goes, well, what do you mean? I go, what if, what if you, what if I could have made, what if you could have made less money and given me back money? He goes, not my problem. He goes, I asked you what a good deal was. He goes, are you happy with what you have? I go, yeah. He goes, so it doesn't matter if you pay too much or pay too little. You you did what you got what you wanted because you feel good about it. And I go, huh, oh, never thought about it that way. Everybody always thinks a good deal is, um, you know, everybody's everybody's uh, winning some way, some fire. You know, there's times when I lose on the deal, right? But it, I still feel good about it because, you know what? Maybe maybe I have to run a camp or two before I get picked to uh, maybe be on a team next time. But that's okay. I still get to run a camp, so I'm winning. Whereas other people are like, well, I ran two camps. How come I'm not getting picked? You know what I mean? That's the difference in the way I look at it. I'm like, I get to run camps now, and the guys get to come visit me, and I get to coach Greco. This is awesome. Yeah, <laughs> well, you know what, Zach? Yeah, but the, here's know? the difference that you're not recognizing as you say it. The difference is, is that you approach coaching, and then you approach the senior program itself, you approach your duties or whatever your responsibilities are with USA Wrestling, which there are several. You approach all this as like your outcome, your chief outcome, really, is to serve the sport and its athletes. Okay? 
That's in your mm-hmm. mind what you're trying to do. Okay. Well, no, I shouldn't even say your mind. That's what's in your heart. That's what you're trying to do. Okay. Well, there's a problem. I I I'm been around for a hundred years, but there's a problem where there's a lot of coaches and every single style that we have available where it's a status thing. We are trying to improve our position, our standing and everything else. The means to an end is not the success of the program or the growth of the athletes. This means to an end is their own, you know, accolades and what they've been able to accomplish as far as I was chosen to do this. I coached on this. I did this, blah, blah, blah. Everybody owes me a favor. Like that is a problem. I mean, I would say, I would love to say that it was like singular to, you know, whatever. I mean, it's, it's above, wait, let me not use the word above because I don't think college wrestling is above me or anybody else for that matter. But like, it's not limited to, uh, let's say the international style, certainly. I mean, this is something that's prevalent in high school. It's prevalent in, uh, college, you know, I mean, of course it is. There's assistant coaches who want to become head coaches and blah, 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 blah. We but, see it. The, mm-hmm. We see it more, I think in international styles or at least Greco, if only because there are status positions. Like, I mean, there are right. several rungs, mm-hmm. whether it's a tour, whether it's, you know, uh, this world team, that world team, this blah, 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 blah. And it's like, oh my gosh. It's like, yeah, that's a rudderless approach. I mean, it just is because it, it can't be the athletes have one goal, but then all right. these pockets of individual coaches have their own goals and their own goals happen to maybe they correspond with what the athletes want. And maybe they don't. And I don't mm-hmm. know, man, I don't want to like just keep tripping on this. It's just like, no, I don't. I'm not the it's only one talking subject. about it. Yeah. I'm not the only one talking about it. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, whatever. I mean, and it's not an attack. It's human nature to want to, you know, get somewhere. You know, I, I get that. No, it's I agree. Just, like, well, I will tell you. So I'll par- I'll parlay this thought into grit. And Coach Mayhav has done a good job of finding that new young coach that does believe in the betterment of wrestling. And we have had phone calls like every week for the last seven weeks. And every time I get on that call, I thoroughly enjoy being on it. I get to see faces I haven't seen in a while. I get to see new coaches. And we get to we get to redevelop. I don't want to say redevelop, reignite that Greco passion or that Greco coach, and it's amazing. We are in constant search right now. We're at 28, and we're getting ready to open up to 56. But um, we've laid some good groundwork, and I'm really excited. Once once we get a good mission statement, which was actually what we were developing tonight, um, prior to my phone call with you, um, we will be handing it off because you were one of the one of our uh, our ten people that are good for the sport, right? We've identified that, and and we are we're. I'm really, so like I said, just moving transitioning into this grit from good coaching, great coaching. However, we want to look at it. I do think every coach has something to offer, but I do believe that you know the intentions have to be there, like you said, um, or like we said. Pardon me. Um, and this group of coaches we put together is is a really quality group of 20 we started with 14 now we're 28 and we're going to make one more jump uh to 56 here soon and i'm super super excited about this group i think uh the developmental path will be re re re-strung uh stronger 
and we will you will see some growth in, in Greco from the young side. Why don't you uh, share the acronym for the audience, please? Uh, GRIT is or it's U.S. GRIT. It's United States Greco-Roman Initiative. Or shoot, I'm saying it wrong. Innovation. Hold on. Hold on. Innovation. Isn't innovation. It? Innovation, yeah, innovation. Not even a part of this, bro. I mean, like, (laughs) (laughs) why are you? Well, you're so smart. I'm not so smart. I'm just, I'm just a coach, right? Uh, Hold on. Not according to Eli, you're not. No, no, no. This is all Zach's fault. (laughs) Gosh darn it! I gotta go find it. Um, we, we actually, I came up with a bunch of names. Uh, We actually, I was in charge of naming it, and then the name that they chose wasn't the one that I made up. So it's okay. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but I can't remember now. And it's, and I, but it's a really good one, and uh, and I really, really enjoyed uh, the guy that came up with it. Was uh, oh, who was it? That you know, I can't even remember. Uh, United States Greco-Roman Innovation Team. That's exactly what it is. U.S. Grit. United States Greco-Roman Innovative Team. Innovation. Innovation team, not innovative. Innovation team. Sorry. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, you get everybody on the same page developmentally in this country, a lot of things are going to change pretty quickly. Agreed. Common language, common goals, common everything, common culture. You know, that's the. I know. I think that's something that wrestling stands on. You know, we have. uh, We're we're inclusive of everyone. We're we're one of the few sports where everybody can do it. Right? Big, little, small, uh, black, white, brown, yellow. It doesn't really matter. You you put you put an age and a weight. You can wrestle. And um, and that's the greatest part about it is is, is it's, it's it's it it doesn't matter the culture you can all still have the same mission which is to grow pro wrestling and we're crack out to it for that matter to be more specific and our inclusivity is is literally second to none as a sport but we wanna we wanna make Greco the shiny star of inclusivity if you will. All right, and that was Zach Dominguez in his first ever appearance on the podcast. Uh, Zach is a really good friend of mine. I love the guy. He is one of the most passionate and hardest working people we have in our sport for everything he does for his own club, MWC, which if you pay attention to national age group stuff, you see how successful they've become. Nebraska has become largely thanks to Zach's club, but also, of course, what he does for the U.S. Greco program. He just, Zach is the go-to guy. He's the guy people call if they need help with like virtually anything. And he's just, his heart is pure for this stuff. You know, Zach gets a real big charge out of helping others and watching athletes develop and everything else. You got to remember also, Zach was an OG for Northern Michigan, like that first class with Gordy Morgan as the coach. He was a senior competitor, obviously. I mean, Zach's been around and people don't even think back to his competitive career anymore because he's become such a high-profile coach. That's how they think of him, and I'm sure that's fine with him. And he did a great job, great, great job. And actually, that camp at MWC just started today. Today is Tuesday, July – today is Thursday, July 23, and we recorded on Tuesday, July 21. So, yeah, that camp began today with all the – Seniors, a whole bunch of national team members, world team member types, and group guys. Which brings me to my next point, actually. And this covers both the segment with Dominguez and the opening with Hall. Just today, 
And like I said, it's Thursday, July 23. USA Wrestling announced that they are going to have a senior nationals in October, October 9 through 11 in Coralville, Iowa. And why is this interesting? Well, I mean, of course, it's interesting because we are still, as far as I knew, you know, most of us in this country are in the midst of a pandemic and dealing with lockdown and restrictions. And yeah, okay, saying lockdown is maybe a little inaccurate. I think pretty much everybody can move around a little bit, but it's still life ain't the same. And here we are, national tournament booked for October. Why is this worth discussing? First of all, it means that there's probably going to be a world team trials. Okay. And the reason I say that is they're probably looking to hold a national tournament so they can draft procedures. That's all. They've, they're planning on holding a trials, then they're going to want to have people who qualify for the trials. That's usually how this works. We had one case in 2016 where the world team trials for the non-Olympic weight worlds that tournament was held at the Bill Farrell Memorial. It was just two weight classes uh, that operated under trials format, and it was an open. Anybody could have entered it. There was no pre-qualification. I thought there was a chance that a world team trials for this supposed December Worlds, I had originally thought like there's a chance that this could be an open trials, but no, if you're having a national tournament in October, that means they want to get people to qualify for it despite the fact that this world championships has zero implications and as far as i know this world team trials would also have no national team as far as i know but i mean look at this information's fluid i'm just telling you that there's a nationals in case you haven't come across that info yet i'm sure by the time this gets released you will probably have learned that and what does this also mean? It also means that trials, well, at least we know it's going to be in November. I mean, otherwise, this is all completely senseless. Trials have to be in November. They're not going to have a trials the same month as they have the open. So, oh, yeah, there we go. It's going to be a fast turnaround for these guys. And hopefully by the time, let's say, late August, mid-August rolls around, our top seniors are able to train and prepare adequately for a trials tour for a national tournament and then perhaps a trials tournament, but we'll see. We will see. Okay. Let's put a ball on this social media concerns. If you would like to follow Zach Dominguez, you can do so on Twitter at Dominguez Zach. That's it. One word, his last name, his first name. Remember his first name is Z A C. So it's Dominguez D O M I N G U E Z. Z-A-C. That's his Twitter handle. There you go. Zach Dominguez on Twitter. Dennis Hall has been using Twitter a little bit more often. He's not really posting. I think what he's really kind of doing is just opening his phone, and if he comes across something that piques his interest, he clicks that little heart, that little heart that says you like it. You don't love it. I still don't say you love it, but you know what I'm getting at here anyway. So, Hall, you want to follow him on Twitter? Might not be a complete waste of your time. Just type in at Dennis Hall WGW. And for USA Greco Roman news and athlete perspective, please go to 5.news.com and follow along on Twitter at 5, the number 5 PT move. That's it for episode 38, everybody. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon.